This is The Think Tank with Dr. Michael Neal, talking about the major political, economic, and social issues of the week. The Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. We are uh, approaching the election in a couple of days. Our first guest today, Stephen Richer, Maricopa County recorder, who will run the election. Or That's the first question I'm going to ask. Later on, Chuck Coughlin and I will talk the politics of this election. Welcome to the show, Stephen. Thank you very much for having me back. I wonder if the first thing you could do is clarify... You have certain responsibilities in this election, as does the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors. And then the secretary of state is called the chief elections officer of the state. Could you clarify for folks uh, where you draw the line between what you do and what those other folks do? Yeah, it does get all a little bit confusing, doesn't it? But elections are administered at the county level. So the secretary of state doesn't mail out ballots, doesn't tabulate ballots. But what she does do is she coordinates the efforts of the 15 counties and she produces the elections procedures manual, which is the roadmap from state statute into how to actually run the elections. She's also responsible for things like certifying the elections equipment and testing it before elections. So that's why the the moniker chief elections official, you know, because it's elected statewide is given. But it's really administered at the county level. Now, each county is a little bit different, and Maricopa County actually has been different in the past where it was previously had all of the authority under the recorder. But by state law, certain responsibilities are delegated to the Board of Supervisors and certain to the recorder. Uh, I am responsible for voter registration and all early voting. The Board of Supervisors is responsible for Election Day operations and tabulation. Now, as it happens, we all work together as one big happy family, and I'm certainly intimately involved in all parts of the process. And because I'm a guy who likes to get in the trenches, I'll I'll, I'll be there for all of it and, and commenting on all of it and providing updates. As uh, just one unintended, I think, positive byproduct of having changed those rules when uh, certain things were questioned in the last election, uh, I think we got the side benefit that uh, you had independent people, meaning your own office and that of the county supervisors, both independently attesting to the uh, to the honesty and integrity of the election. I think that was part of the intent in the statutory design is having multiple elected officials part of the process such that no one elected was wholly responsible. And it wouldn't also fall on just one elected to say, trust me, the process is secure, transparent, accessible. I wonder if you could this is it gets to the heart of what the you know, the controversy over the last couple of years has been. Tell us what your processes are that ensure voters that their ballot will be secure. And and I suspect that may be slightly different for mail-in versus in-person ballots versus dropped-off ballots. Feel free to tell a separate story for each, if you will. So fundamentally, this process can be trusted because it is bipartisan, because it has checks at every level because it is tested and because it is documented and because it is observed by the political parties. Now, in Arizona, you can vote in three ways fundamentally. You can vote in person on Election Day. You can vote in person early or you can vote early ballot by mail. If you if you vote early ballot, you get a yellow packet 
that is intended just for you. You've already registered to vote. You've confirmed your identity. You've proven your citizenship. You get that packet, and you have to put it in a green envelope to return it. We don't just accept loose ballots in a, in a mailbox or in a drop box or at one of our voting locations. And on that green envelope, it has a barcode that links to your unique voter registration profile, meaning it has to come back to that. And as soon as we scan it, it loads one vote to your profile, and every voter profile can only have one vote. We also verify your signature that is on that green envelope, and we uh, compare it with past signatures that we've collected to make sure that it matches that signature and confirms your identity. Only once all that is all done, do we take the ballot out of the envelope. The ballot has to have all the security and formatting marks such that it can ultimately be read by the tabulator. If you vote in person, then you have to show identification, you have to scan it, and you have to show it to a poll worker before getting a ballot printed. Let me ask you about that signature. Let's say uh, the person who looks at it, and I understand your folks in the office who do that, go through some some training to to check the signatures. But let's say somebody looks at the signature and I'm not sure this is a match. What's your process for doing dealing with that? So if the first level reviewer who has indeed received training says, I don't think this is a match, then it immediately goes to a manager. And if the manager agrees and looks at all the signatures that we have on file for you and says, I agree, that doesn't look like a match, then we will try to contact the voter in any way possible, whether it's text message, calling, mailing, emailing, to speak with the voter to ascertain whether that was the voter or not. Now, in the August primary, we marked approximately 13,000 signatures as originally non-matching signatures. We were able to contact and cure over 11,000 of those signatures such that they were ultimately sent forward to be tabulated. And the other 2,000 votes weren't counted? Correct. Okay. Separate matter. There have been news reports and more than just reports clearly has been happening of armed vigilantes staking out some of the drop box locations. Uh, what's the current legal status of this and who is involved in dealing with this at this point? Well, the legal status has been in flux as there have been a number of lawsuits filed and a number of questions made. But fundamentally, we have the First Amendment right to observe the process, but you are also prohibited by law from interfering with or intimidating any voters. Now, what exactly constitutes interfering with or intimidation is the, you know, the subject of some dispute. But importantly, you shouldn't go out there if your purpose is just to intimidate. You're not helping the process. These people who think that they're somehow preventing fraud by going and watching these drop boxes are really doing nothing productive. And I would encourage them to get involved with their political parties and they can become official observers and they can do something that is helpful to the system or they can even work for the the elections department. We're still recruiting temporary workers. This is currently in the federal courts and there has been an injunctive order issued against one ballot monitoring group in particular, and it has stipulated that they must uh, not get within a certain distance, they can't bring weapons in the area, and they have to post to all their social media that there are perfectly valid reasons why somebody might be carrying more than one green ballot return envelope. Has your office been involved with uh, dealing with that at all, or has that been pretty much delegated to the Maricopa County Sheriff? 
Well, the sheriff is certainly the person who would enforce this and police this, but we have been receiving complaints from individual voters, now just a limited number, I think approximately 10, and then we've been facilitating alternative methods for those people if they feel uncomfortable. So this has focused on really one particular drop box, so we've made voters aware of the many other drop boxes and voting locations where they can deposit their ballot or previously they could mail it back. Um, and so we've sent them to locations.maricopa.vote and just tried to make them feel better about the process because we want everyone to feel secure about their vote, but also safe in the voting process, of course. So as a public service, what is that location? The Mesa Dropbox has been the, the focal point of this uh, brouhaha. Okay, let me ask a facetious question, but I think it's it's one that I see discussed. Uh, why can't we get all the results by, say, 11 o'clock on Tuesday of election night? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, it's a question that comes up every single cycle because nothing has fundamentally changed about Arizona elections other than we've gotten a little bit faster. So at 8 p.m. on election night, we will produce immediately all the early ballots that we have received by Sunday before Election Day Tuesday. For those ballots, we've had time to scan them in, we've signature verified them, and we've sent them to the bipartisan team that moves them ahead to tabulation. On Tuesday night, we will take, we will load all the results as the night progresses from people who vote in person on Election Day and feed their ballots directly into the tabulator at the voting location. We remove the memory drives from those tabulators at the end of the night once all voters have left, and we drive them to our central facility in Phoenix and load them into the election management server. For the August primary, by the time it was late Tuesday night, we had about 85 percent of the eventual returns ready and available and posted to the Internet. The remaining percentage are those early ballots that people drop off on election day. And so you just walk in and you have it in your green envelope and you just put it in the drop box that is there. And that's because we take those ballots back after polls close, but we still need to do all those important steps to confirm the identity of the voter and make sure that that was came from a valid voter who signed it as he or she is supposed to. And so we can't do that all within a few hours. We have to do that just as we do right now over you know 24 hours 48 hours because in the august primary we had 122,000 people drop off their early ballots on election day i have one final question and this is people when they do election night analysis get all excited about something be within being within the margin that will trigger a recount and i remember i was i've i've never seen an election more than a few dozen votes off changed in a recount what's the biggest number you've ever seen move uh, as a result of a recount the tabulation process is incredibly accurate. So we actually did a recount that was within three votes for in the primary for a justice of the peace primary in the West Valley. And when we did the full recount, it was still three votes separated the two candidates. So really, unless it's within a very, very, very small margin, the, the probability of it being changed is very low. Now, I will tell you that the recount threshold has been greatly expanded. In so, fact, so we're more likely to see a recount, but it doesn't necessarily mean anything. Maybe. We're more likely to see a recount, but it's just as unlikely as ever that it would change anything. Thank you very much, Stephen Richer. Uh, I appreciate your, your taking the time, particularly on the edge of this election, which is when people want to hear from you. But I know you're very busy. I thank you for your time. Good luck.
Thanks so much, Mike. I appreciate it. The Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. Our thanks to Stephen Richard, a Maricopa County recorder, for filling us in election procedures and processes. Um, Chuck Coughlin is here as promised. Uh, and in the next segments, uh, we're, we're going to let him reveal some results uh, and, and prognostications. But I want to start with a much bigger question. We've got several candidates running for key offices in the state of Arizona and throughout the country who are basically election deniers who, who, who are wedded to Trump won the last election. And if anything like that comes down, I'm not going to certify the next election. Are we is democracy and some of these folks, I, I mean, I think there's enough of them. Some of them are going to win. We have a um, an entire slate of Republicans from the Senate, governor, secretary of state, attorney general that deny the 20 election and uh, both the uh, Republican gubernatorial candidate and the Republican attorney general candidate have specifically said they wouldn't certify the election and the secretary of state also would not have certified the election. And so, this 2020 election has been examined uh, backwards well, it's and It's been forward. litigated, never a, case, a successful case. It's Trump and Bernie Madoff. It's mm-hmm. the same thing. It's his scam to go take money from Republicans to go drive his fundraising machine and keep his name in the newspaper and be relevant the whole time. There's absolutely zero percent truth. Are there problems with the election? Yeah. And, and well, anytime you have 100 million people, yeah, exactly. Election right, run right. by people, but the Bernovich, vast majority of whom Bernovich are part- prosecuted yeah. him. Yeah. I mean, he's prosecuted in the primary. He's already prosecuted, uh, you know, people in Yuma. For, We're talking 12 people, I think. Yeah, 12 yeah. votes. And so they're and not necessarily all Democratic. No, <laughs> it's always it, there is no reason to believe no litigable no proof no proof of anything that was substantively wrong but i know i'm telling that to republicans who aren't going to believe that i mean they just mm-hmm. they're off the page and they're not with us on that and so changing their minds about that is a very almost next to impossible thing to do but your assertion are we out of thread yeah we are because that becomes the issue of if you can agree to disagree in a democracy we can disagree about reproductive rights or abortion. We can disagree on immigration. We can disagree on the remedies on inflation. We can disagree on a a whole on immigration, a whole variety of issues. But if you say to me that I don't accept the outcome of an election, you're destroying any ability to resolve problems. And I think our elections over the last 250 years, by and large, have gotten cleaner and cleaner. Oh, I I don't doubt that at all. I've been much more professionally run um, parties. You know, the old smoke filled rooms uh, have deteriorated uh, and are not there anymore. Not to say that there aren't problems. There are problems. But we have prosecutors and uh, and and law enforcement people that are on. That. And let's describe what most of those dozen cases are. Almost always comes down to somebody who moved here from some other state where they cast yeah. a ballot. Then they come to Arizona and they think they can vote here, that, and they've cast two votes, and that's not kosher. That's one. I mean, I have witnessed. I have witnessed personally in elections ballot harvesting. That's a problem. Mm. And they've now outlawed ballot harvesting. 
that you can't go collect somebody's ballot. You can't give them a food card and say, give me your ballot. I'm, you know, we'll fill it out. Just sign mm-hmm. here. That I witnessed that in an election in mm-hmm. the city of Phoenix. And so I saw that happen prior to that law being changed. I was a big advocate for changing that law. Mm-hmm. I believe eliminating ballot harvesting was a good election reform. And the answer is you're, you're voting on your own. Drop it. If you don't want to or go your to a family drop, member. Box, drop, to, drop it, it in, in the, the mail. mailbox. Right. Or a family member can take it in. That's mm-hmm. it. That's seems eminently fair to me and so. that's and that's been done right that's that is under the and 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 been prosecuted mm-hmm. uh, as of this last cycle Brnovich prosecuted people on mm-hmm. that what happens if these election deniers get well, I think are running our next and not so much for this election but for the next one right. if they're in office i i think you, you go to violence i really i believe that i believe that you know should a uh, a Carrie Lake figure lose because mm-hmm. she won't accept the outcome. She's going to blame the Secretary of State, which is her opponent, yeah. which well, is hope- a total bogus thing because as yeah. you just got done talking to Richard, it's each county recorder runs and each county runs their own election. Yeah. She's the, not in charge of the, election she's day basically, The Secretary of State is basically a publisher. Right. You know, they it, take the information that's come in from uh, every county and they po- po- post it. They, they can't change a thing. And they do one logic and accuracy test after the election is mm-hmm. over with each county. That's it. Which is transparent. Right. Creates we'll be back with Chuck Coughlin on the upcoming election. He's got some figures that he's going to share with us when we return in the Think Tank. The Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. We're back here with Chuck Coughlin. Hello. By the way, I I want to I want to tell everybody Chuck is here because if uh, if if we're going to do election stuff, there's nobody I'd I'd rather sit beside and listen to. That's than kind Chuck. of you. Uh, it's a low bar. Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> you are the one guy that comes here, and I always walk away saying I learned something I didn't know before. Yeah, and not all the guests do that. Well, so. we've uh, we've been doing this a long time, right, Mike? Yeah, we, <laughs> we have we've, indeed. We've learned by our our mistakes, yeah. and so we still make mistakes, but well, we're at if, least if, admit if, them. If you uh, if if you don't do a lot of stuff, but you don't make a lot of mistakes. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know yeah. what's the, the wise word? Say I, 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 you know, I, I make. You know, I I, le- I make a lot of mistakes, and yep. and therefore I learn a learn lot, a lot of stuff, learn so, a lot of lessons. So you have uh, the hot off the presses, the most recent numbers. Uh, we did. We were in the field on um, Wednesday and Thursday this mm-hmm. past week. Uh, no, Tuesday and Wednesday this past week, um, and published these numbers. Um, Thursday morning. You used an interesting survey research term saying you were in the field. Do you know where that originates from? No. The original surveys done in the 1930s was for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Interviews were all done in with the farmers. They were in literally done in the field. <laughs> and the term has stuck through phone and yeah. internet. In the field. It means is you're a, talking to people. It, it means, yeah. It means you're, so our yeah. methodology, yeah. so everybody's clear about mm-hmm. how we do these things, because I have a great deal of confidence in mm-hmm. our numbers, mm-hmm. is we, we have a profile of what we think the election is going to be based on historical norms of what happens mm-hmm. in Arizona. Um, and so we think it's going to be about a 65% turnout, somewhere in that range. That's about 750,000 fewer voters that voted in the presidential election. Which is always, the, there's almost always a drop off. Mid-ter- you know, mm-hmm. off-cycle election. How's that compared to 2018? Uh, pretty much right on, pretty much right on par. Mm-hmm. A little bit higher than mm-hmm. what I think it was sixty three or so in uh, in eighteen, and then we call 
We actually call people who are high-efficacy voters, meaning two out of the last three elections, and we call them by name. So we're not calling, are you a registered voter? Are you a consumer? Mm-hmm. You know, we're, not, we're asking when we call somebody, well, I'd like to talk to Mike O'Neill. Yeah. And, and, and then we get the call, and then we fill quotas. We fill quotas that way based on age, sex, uh, where you live, that's a very important Ur- urban, one. rural, huge. Ur- Maricopa, Pima, um, and the rest of Arizona. And then we balance Maricopa by supervisory district. So because 65% of the state is from Maricopa or 65% of the elections from Maricopa. So we, we are very confident that we're talking to what we think that could be wrong. I, I give you that. The model and, could and be by wrong. By the way, I think that that the best evidence is is what happened to the polls in 2016. Right. Because you, as you said the in model. the beginning, the model is that your best predictor of who votes is yeah. who voted before. In 2016, Trump pulled out particularly rural voters, especially in the upper Midwest, right. who had not voted before and who were underrepresented right. in most everybody's models. So and then our turnout model is 42% Republican, 34% Democrat, and 24% other. And the other is both party not designated and independent voters. But that's an eight-point Republican participation advantage. I think that's very conservative. That that reflects the history. Mm-hmm. It used to be a lot more back uh, you know, in the Brewer days. It was more an off-cycle 12-point participation well, advantage. Uh, 12, but, po- uh, 12 points, you're a Republican state. At yeah. eight, that's why we're purple. That's a, Right. And that's what happens because then you get defections, some defections from one party or the other, which we'll talk about mm-hmm. here in a second. And then you get the unaffiliated voters, which become the key. In a, in a close race as to who's going to win win the state because party voters tend to support their party candidates overwhelmingly right but not universally right yeah. and so you know that that for the people who are listening that's how we do this you can throw all the tomatoes you want but I think it's going to we've been pretty accurate on our forecast in the past and so uh, in the Kelly election we just published this week that we uh, we see Kelly up. By 1.4 percent, mm-hmm. which is within the margin of error, because our margin of error is four and a half points. And, and let me interject yeah. there at 1.4 percent. Yeah, that's not a firm prediction. No, but I'd still rather be Kelly than his opponent. Yeah, I'd, you'd I'd rather, rather be, be up. the guy up. You'd by, rather be up. He, I would say he's up maybe, but better than 50-50 chance he's ahead. That he's that's, ahead. That's not. But That's it, not a firm prediction. But the movement but, can be four points, four and a half points either way, given the 500 voters we spoke to. Yeah. And we acknowledge that. Yeah. So that's a toss up. The interesting thing about that race, uh, and this is a this is following along what we were talking about earlier, is the um, is the unaffiliated voters uh, in that race uh, are leaning heavily in Kelly's direction. Um, and I'm looking. I'm he also, if I recall, has fewer Democratic defections than his Republican opponent. Correct. Does, right? Correct. He's getting a significant number of of Republicans. About five percent more Republicans are voting for him than Democrats voting 
four masters. And that's how you make up that 8% that's initial exactly. deficit. Exactly. That's how you make that up. And, and then, then you, you have to, that. the Democrat has to do and that. And then you close that with unaffiliated voters. Mm-hmm. And he's winning those unaffiliated voters with a substantial uh, margin. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm looking for that number right now because uh, I know it was sent to me uh, and I had it. And now... But w- this is we, an iPhone yeah, scroll here. Next is, time, this piece is of our paper. problem. <laughs> this is our problem because it's so hot off the presses that this is where we're at right now. Um, oh, and I'm realizing why I'm not seeing it. So, so let's just go on. We'll come back to that that statistic because it's relevant mm-hmm. in all the other races as well. And I'll find it here in a Wanna second. Move on to governor. Yeah, the governor's race is um, is Lake by one point four. About so, the same story in reverse. A- absolutely same story in, re- in reverse. 46.6% Lake, 45.2% Hobbs. Um, again, all within the margin of error. Could so I, the don't I? know, that's the other thing. The undecided is six and a, uh, six and a half points uh, amongst the Senate race, and it's six points uh, in the gubernatorial race. And, and I would add here the way I interpret these as well. I see that slim margin within the margin of error, but in, a, in each case, there's a direction. And in each case, the candidate that you have in the lead is consistent with most of the numbers that we've seen from other polls. Yeah. So in other words, if, if you have a whole bunch of polls and they all show a 1% uh, lead right. in the same direction – that margin of error is a margin of error for one poll. If you got a whole string of them, you have in general. So let's better talk confidence. about that with yeah. the Kelly race, the yeah. Kelly and Masters race. I have yet to see a camp a poll where Masters is ahead. So that would tell you yeah. that that's a lean Democrat race and likely a Kelly victory. A caveat about that, though, is that most of the earlier polls that I've seen showed a bigger Kelly. Right. And therefore, your numbers are consistent with a diminishment of that lead. And that's been happening because as people focus on the race, you know, there's um, people undecided shrink. And so people start leaning one way or the other. And I think that was expected. I think there was a lot of overly optimistic Mm -hmm. language about um, Kelly because of the amount of money he raised, his incumbency, general likability that um, he was going to prevail. But the problem that he's having is Joe Biden is the economy and inflation mm-hmm. and immigration. That's a both are giant drags on his uh, on his potential. But back to the thing we were talking about. So I got the independent numbers. Kelly's winning PNDs. That's party not designated, which makes up about 13 percent of the file that we think will vote. And uh, independence, another 8% of the file. That's what we classify as unaffiliated. And Kelly's winning those PND voters 49-35. That's a, uh, and that's consistent with what we've been seeing uh, with that race. And he's winning independence 45-40. So that would give him that healthy margin that would prevail on Election Day. But then you flip the race to the governor's side. And you see an exact flip of that. You see uh, Hobbs winning 42-41. So there isn't it's a, it's a margin. It's a razor. There. It's basically it, a toss-up. Right. And then with independence, it's 40-40. It's a mm-hmm. tie. And so that's why you see this very, very close race um, uh, and why there isn't um, a substantial 
you know, edge that that somebody somebody has. And and, you know, I think we all know we all think Lakes run a better campaign. Right. She's out there. She's much more charismatic. She's very good in front of the cameras. She's very persuasive with that constituency. And, you know, and Hobbs has really not run a great campaign. So she really hasn't distinguished herself as Kelly has attempted. I think that Lake has made inordinate hay out of the lack of debate. Normally, Mm -hmm. that doesn't hurt all that much. She has made that stick. Yeah, she's she's held on to that. Uh, and it's like it, it's on the converse side. It's like the abortion issue. The abortion issue in a lot of places around the country disappeared. You know, after the Dobbs decision, mm-hmm. it just disappeared off the radar screen. A month ago, it looked like that was going to be determined until, this whole election. Right. Until all the litigation, then it disappeared everywhere else. But what I've pointed out to people who are calling about our election is that is a live wire argument out here because of the litigation over the constitutional amendment or the constitutional law, which says, you know, there shall be no. And it's a, an outright ban on everything. And so that was in play with the courts. The court just set that aside. But the case is still in front of the Supreme Court. So we're still getting litigable stuff on that. And it's been a big part of the narrative of this election. And and basically, you know, a month ago, it looked like that was going to drive the Democrats beating, if not if not winning, at least beating the spread. We got to remember the the underlying baseline of this election is that the in party almost always takes a beating. Yeah. And the in party is the Democrats. Well, and as Bob Robb pointed out the other day, Republicans should be walking away with this thing. I Mm -hmm. mean, with the problem that they have, they should be stomping. They are the out party, the economy. We've got inflation. Yeah, You have double digit gains. You should be winning Senate seats, winning House seats and winning statewide seats across the Mitch McConnell, I think, captured the why not. It's candidates. (laughs) Well, it's candidates and the narrative of the party. It's so mm-hmm. wrapped around this narrow Trumpism mm-hmm. that it's un- incapable of broadening its appeal. Yeah. You know, it's a rhino because everybody's I used to be a Republican. I'm not a Republican anymore because I get called a rhino all the time. Yeah. And so I'm I'm not going to go there. I'm well, we'll not ret- going to go with a guy who we'll return, criticizes John McCain. Yeah, we'll, re- we'll return to that. Hopefully uh, we'll have time to do that because I think it's one of the enduring questions of this election along with democracy. But yeah. what happens is the Republican Party of old classically conservative uh want to spend a little less but mm-hmm. but basically sound fiscally is that entity dead forever uh, open question don't answer we don't have to talk about <laughs> but but think about that and yep. we'll return in a moment in the think tank with chuck coughlin the think tank ktar news on 92.3 fm and ktar.com we got two more races here to talk about with Chuck Coughlin. They're of the you know the last two of the big uh, big four: Attorney General and Secretary of State. Let's start with Secretary of State. Yeah, that's an interesting one. It's um, Adrian Fontes and Mark Fincham. Mark Fincham being again the principal election denier. Um, uh, and uh, what we're seeing in that is that Fontes is up by two point four percent. We have, and that's big in the in the in this margin. In this margin, that's a pretty big thing. We got we have Fontes at forty four point eight and Fincham at forty two point four, and then that don't know rises to eleven percent. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you go to uh, the uh, the 
the the unaffiliated voters then on that race, then you can begin to see the difference here. Again, um, Fontes is reflecting Kelly's performance mm-hmm. under unaffiliated voters. Fontes is getting of PND voters, party not designated, 45-32. So mm-hmm. he's got a significant lead amongst that co- cohort of the electorate. Amongst independents, not as much, but again, a five-point lead, a 37-32 um, uh, advantage. So that that is a, um, a key reason why he's beginning to prevail in that race. And what we're seeing as, uh, you know, uh, a more highly defined race because, um, you know, you're, you're, you're seeing that um, more and more people are getting to know about – it's a down-ballot race. People mm-hmm. tend to not pay attention to these races as mm-hmm. much as they do the Senate and the uh, gubernatorial contest. Mm-hmm. But there's more and more awareness now of that. Um, and, you know, you, but you still see that undecided in that race – uh, about 11 percent, which is almost twice as much as the up ballot races. Let's move to attorney general. Yes. So the attorney general race is uh, Abe Hamada, uh, the Republican nominee against uh, Chris Mays. And we have Hamada up by one point eight in that race. And that that is uh, and with a don't know of about 13 percent. So, again, as you fall farther down the ballot, you get a higher rate of don't know. Because people simply uh, don't follow. If you don't follow politics ad, uh, uh, avidly, uh, you may very well not be aware of that race. Right, right. And then when you get to the unaffiliated part of that, again, you can see the difference on that race. It's very close. Mays is 37-35 with PND voters. And that's Only just why a, she's down by two overall. Right. She, the, she, she needs to run up the m- score most there. Of the Republic, or most of the Democrats here are getting about 5% more Republicans mm-hmm. moving over to their side than the Democrats are getting Republicans to move to their side, which causes that closeness. Mm-hmm. But in order to close it, in order to win it, you got to win these unaffiliated voters. And so with you see that independents... 37 or PND's 37 35 and then independents are 40 37. So there's pro, with Mays. Pro Mays. Pro, okay, yeah. pro Mays. So in each case, the Democrat Mays is well, carrying the uh, unaffiliated, non Democrat, non but not by much. And you would think this would begin to follow that Kelly pattern. Mm-hmm. You'd think that that would be, the, you know, voters tend to follow patterns. And so you'd think that it would begin to follow that, but it hasn't happened. Maybe, maybe just uh, lower in the totem pole and more voters just reverting to party. Or, you know, then people don't vote in those races mm-hmm. yeah. either. They just skip them because yeah. they don't know or they don't there have enough information. Off. And there is drop off on these things. But and, he's an election denier also, and it seems yes. to stick in the case of Fincham, but maybe not on Hamada. Yeah, he's not as been such a high-profile candidate. Remember mm-hmm. in the Republican primary, he got only 32% of the vote. He mm-hmm. beat a br- big field, a very competitive field with Trump's endorsement, um, and he only got 32% of the Republican. So but less it's a is down, known about it's it. It's a down-ballot right? race, and he's got an R next to his name. And he's a male, because mm-hmm. I, I often mm-hmm. think there's a bias among in the electorate to vote for a male in a law enforcement position. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I believe that is in play here as well. These are the kind of things you look at. And Chris has run a, a better campaign, a good campaign, better than better than Hobbs has run. Um, but you that's you, a low bar. That's a low bar. Yeah, that's a pretty low bar. Uh, and so you'd be able to think that that might 
again, it, it it's going to all come down to who turns out on Election Day, who who shows up. What are these last few days of early voting when people are turning in ballots up until today uh, on Saturday when the last day that they'll count them? Uh, and then they'll start. I think they end up like Sunday and Monday's ballots end up getting counted on election day. And if, if you were here for the first segment, you would know that. I that would is know exactly that. the there case <laughs> with our trusted county recorder. So you know that that's the kind of thing that um, all of this is within the margin of error. So I, I'm not telling you who's going to win or who's going to lose. All I'm telling you is it's going to be a very close and probably not decided. On election night, I don't see any way these races at the anywhere near these margins are decided because you're going to have uh, 15 percent or so of the of the vote uh, will uh-huh. be will be these late earlys, which they're not even going to start counting until Wednesday. Right. And we have the day of election votes, which are probably dumped after midnight. So what we expect, I mean, what we expect to see on election night at eight o'clock when those early ballots drop, because right now, as of last night, I think there was a 46,000 vote Democratic advantage amongst early voters. Which will not hold for the day of election. Right, but you'll see it at 8 o'clock. You'll see Mm -hmm. all the Democrats up at 8 o'clock at night. Using the words of the last election, this is the blue mirage. Many parts of the country had the red mirage. The reason we have the blue mirage, it's not anything different in the electorate. It's different in the... It's the fact that Arizona, thankfully, is allowed to physically count the votes ahead of time, though I point out they're, they're run through machines. Yes. That are very nobody, accurate. And, which are absolutely accurate. But nobody gets to see them, including the county record. Nobody sees the numbers. Right. But you have this massive millions of votes running through the machines so that it doesn't take you a week after the fact to count them. They're counting them and now. As as we recall, on the primary election night when um, so Karen Knasik, uh was or Karen Taylor Robeson was up. On an, uh, at eight o'clock yep. by about eight points, and then at one o'clock that night she lost ten points. Okay, we got a minute and a half. All right, you're a lifelong Republican, uh, or was you, yeah. you were, but but okay, yeah, but you're. You've got a lot of folks. There's what we call the country club Republicans. Yeah. They're, they're not election deniers. They're fine, a little uncomfortable with this. The other segment has taken over the Republican Party completely. Yeah. What is the long room prospects for that group and for the Republican Party? I think it's done. I think the party is unalterably changed. Um, and there's a good story coming out in the Republic. If it's not, it's online right now about this uh, organization turning point out here. They've actually recruited, you know, people who have never voted into being precinct committeemen. They're conspiracy theorists. They're very right wing, very um, populist people. And so I don't think the party's redeemable. I think the only way to change this is the way we going to change the way we elect people and we got to put voters back in charge. We have to put country above party um, and imagine a system that allows voters to choose anybody they want and not let the party choose. Because right now each party puts up their extreme people and then voters hold their noses and they pick the lesser of two evils. Yeah. You have have an election that is dominated uh, in a primary by the two extremes. Come back. With us, we'll see. We'll have Chuck Coughlin here after election night, trying to figure out what's it all mean, and yeah. we'll, we'll no doubt resurrect this question again. I'm Mike O'Neill. You can reach me at mikeoneill.org. We'll see you next week, and hopefully, we may even know results by then. Thanks, Mike. No guarantee, though. Yeah.